We're in a series entitled Come and See, and we're looking at Jesus' life and the number of times that there's this invitation of come and see. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, it's a story that many are familiar with. Uh, It is a story about how Jesus interacted with a Samaritan woman at the well. And we're going to walk through this story very quickly, and then we're going to focus on verse 29. But I want you to, I want to set up the story by walking through, uh, that whole chapter four. Jesus and his disciples are traveling and they decide to go through Samaria. And right there, that was quite a, quite a scoop, uh, because the Jews did not like the Samaritans. And so Samaria would be here. And if you were going from Jerusalem to Galilee, a lot of times you just go around rather than go straight through there. But Jesus decided to go straight through there. As soon as he got there, they came to a well where they were resting and the disciples went in town to go get some food. So when they went in town to get the food, he was just there by himself. And a woman came and came to draw some water. And as she came, he asked her, he says, will you give me a drink? And her response to him was, uh, why are you asking me to give you a drink? Me to give you a Jew a drink, this Samaritan woman? And what it turns out is it's just amazing that, that in that culture he even spoke to her. Because the Jews didn't even like Samaritans. Samaritans were, were Jewish people who had married people from uh, other countries, other races. And so they looked at them as half-breeds. They weren't the, the pure race. So they didn't like the Samaritans. Then second of all, women were very devalued. And, and oftentimes people wouldn't even speak to them. And so she was a Samaritan, and she was a woman, and she was a woman that didn't have a good reputation. And he would have known that right away. Because it was the middle of the day, and in the middle of the day, she was coming to draw water. And during that culture, you usually went to draw water either early in the morning or at dusk. And the reason you do that, the weather's nicer, everybody comes, and it's kind of where all the women would come to draw the water, and they would talk. It's kind of like standing around the, the, the coffee bar or the water cooler. And to come in the middle of the day with no one else pretty well showed that she was an outcast. There were things about her that people didn't like. So there she is, middle of the day, drawing this water. And uh, Jesus sees her and he talks to her. And the fact that he spoke to her and he's a rabbi that he would speak to her, that's even beyond belief. Because during that day, many of the Pharisees were so spiritual that they would be walking down the street and they would see a woman, they wouldn't even speak to her. It could be their wife, their daughter, their sister, their mother. They wouldn't even speak to them. And there was a group of Pharisees called the, the bleeding and bruised, the old bruised and bleeding Pharisees. Those are the ones that they would walk, and they felt they shouldn't even look upon a woman. So if a woman was coming this way, they would just shield their eyes, and they got their name of bruised and bleeding because they'd run into a wall because they had their eyes closed. You know, today it's just the opposite. We have bruised and bleeding Baptists, and it's not because we're not looking. It's going to get, whoa, hey, look at that. Oh, (laughs) then you hit something. Well, here Jesus is, and he's right there at the well, and uh, the woman is there, and he says, will you give me a drink? And she's kind of blown away about that. Why would you ask me to give you a drink? And then he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she says, what do you mean? You think I'm supposed to ask you for water? You don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. There's no way you can get water out of this well. Many archaeologists have said that this well, this Jacob's well, was about 100 feet deep. 
And so they're saying, you don't have a bucket, you don't have a rope, there's no way you could get the water out of there. And what are you talking about that, that you can give living water? And she said, you know, Jacob, we really like Jacob. And Jacob is the one who built this well. This well was good enough for him. It gave water to his livestock. It gave water to his family. So I don't understand why you think you've got better water than he has. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, when you talk about a spring, that's about as fresh as it gets. And it's water that's going to be welling up and you'll never thirst again and it'll give you eternal life. So her response was, sir, give me this water so I'll not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She says, I'm all over it. Give me that water that I don't have to keep making this trek back and forth from the village over, over to this well. Well, as soon as Jesus heard that, he knew that her interest was piqued. And so his next response was, go get your husband. And her response to that was, I don't have a husband. He says, you are correct. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. And she said, that's true. So all of a sudden, what Jesus has done is he's talked to this woman. He's began to pique her interest. And if she really wants living water, what she has to do is confront her sin. So he just drove right in to the area that she struggled with the most. And he said, let's talk about this. You've actually had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is no longer your, is not, not your husband. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now, you got to give props to her right there. Because she didn't just walk away in a huff and say, well, I don't, uh, that, that's, I'm mad at you for saying this. She stopped and said, I, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she began to get off into some theological tangent. And she says, you know, our people in Samaria believe that you should worship God in Mount Gerizim. But yet your people say that you should worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus' response to her was this. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. You worship what you don't know. The Samaritans just believed the first five books of the Old Testament. They didn't go with everything else. The Jews, they accepted the whole Old Testament. But then he comes here and says this. But the hour, in verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He said, listen, we're not getting into all these arguments about where we're supposed to worship. Let me tell you what worship is. Worship is in spirit and in truth. And that is when your spirit connects with the spirit of God. And you do that through, through uh, understanding the truth of God as revealed in his word. And when you understand the truth of God is revealed in his word and God's spirit speaks to your spirit, then you begin to worship him and you have an experience with God. He says, that's what true worship is. So while they're having this little bit of a theological discussion, she then comes up and gives this great statement. She says in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming, he who's called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Now she's sitting here talking to Jesus about this. And in fact, in Deuteronomy 18, 18, uh, God had told Moses there will come a prophet who will be the great prophet, which is Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. And, uh, and that's what she's thinking. 
there's going to be this great Messiah, and he's going to explain all of this stuff. I appreciate you talking to me about this stuff, but there's going to come a Messiah that's going to explain everything. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. In essence, what Jesus says, you're looking for a Messiah? You're talking to Messiah. I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. I am the one that's sent from God. Now, in the midst of this conversation, all of a sudden, you come down and it says the disciples show up. And when the disciples come back, they said they marvel. They're shocked that he's talking to this woman. They can't believe that Jesus would talk to the Samaritan woman. And then they're talking to him about why he talked to her, etc. And then in verse 28, it says, So the woman left her water jar, and she went away into town and said to the people. Now, she left her water jar. And she went into town as quick as she could to go talk to the people. People said, why'd she leave her water jar? Well, two reasons. Number one is she was coming back because she was going to come back to Jesus. Second reason is I got to get to town in a hurry. I don't need to carry a big old heavy water jar. I'm going to get to town and I'm going to share something with the people. And look what she shares in verse 29. In verse 29, she says this, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Come see. This is the invitation. Come see. Come see the man. This is a man who told me everything that I ever did. Come see. Now, as we drill down here, I want us to look at this. Come see. This woman who's been in a conversation with Jesus, the Messiah, and he tells her everything that he knows about her, he's able to share and, 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 and tell her. She runs back to town. She runs to the people. She has no standing within the community, and she doesn't care because she's coming right to the people, and she's telling them, you've got to come see this. She didn't just say, hey, let me tell you what happened to me. She says, you need to come see this. You need to come see a man, a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So what is she asking you to come see? Let me give you four quick things about coming, come see. Number one, in this personal invitation of come see, it is come see Jesus' ability to see into your inmost being. Come see Jesus' ability to see into your inmost being. She was staggered by the fact that Jesus could look into her heart. She was staggered by the fact that Jesus could look right there into her inmost being. And in that inmost being, as he looked in there, he was able to communicate to her exactly what was inside her heart. And she says, you've got to see this. You've got to come see someone that can do this. And you see, for those that are here today and, and you've come into this, into this worship center, and if you don't know this person of Jesus Christ, he has this amazing ability to be able to look into our innermost being and know exactly who we are and be able to touch where the greatest pain is in our life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Now, a lot of times when we think about this, Jesus can look in your inmost being. We, we kind of get a little nervous thinking that, um, that everything he's going to see is, uh, is, is, is going to be all the bad stuff. William Barclay made a great statement. He says this, it is his power to see into the depths of the human heart. And it's not that he sees only the evil there. He sees also the sleeping hero in the soul of every man. 
He sees the sleeping hero in the soul of every man. When Jesus Christ looks inside your life, do you know what he sees? He sees the potential of a person to be born again. He sees the potential of a person to be adopted in the family of God. He sees the potential of a person who's been created in Christ and been created as a workmanship in Christ that you can be able to carry out the purposes for which you were created. And so when he looks in your inmost being, that's what he sees. And this lady, this woman, after just this short time with Jesus, understood that he's got the ability to look into the inmost being. You need to come and see this. You need to come and see. But let me tell you the second part of come and see, and that is come and see Jesus' acceptance of you just as you are. And this may be the most important thing we say all day. Jesus' acceptance of you just as you are. To me, in this account... The most impressive thing is not what Jesus told her, but it was how he responded to what he knew. The most impressive thing was not what Jesus told her. It's how he responded to what he knew. You're a Samaritan woman. You've been married five times. You're living with a man that's not your husband. Now, I'm going to go off on a great assumption here. That by looking at her response when she ran all the way back in town, stood before the people of her town and said, you need to come see a man who told everything he knows about me. He knows all about me. The only reason why she would do that is if she felt from Jesus himself, I understand what you're, what you're doing. I understand your life where you are right now. But I also want to let you know that I'll accept you as you are. I can provide forgiveness of your sins. And I can give you a hope. Because I can guarantee in her social situation, her social status, she had no hope. And he says, I can give you hope. And because of that, that transformation, she was able to run back to the city and say, you need to come and see a man who told me everything that I did. And I just got to be straight with you. If I've got a sordid past, I got a lot of bad stuff in my life, and somebody could tell me everything about that sordid past... I'm not going to go run to a bunch of friends and say, hey, why don't y'all come and hear a man that tells all my dirty laundry? Does that make sense? Hey, he told me everything that was bad in my life. Why don't you come and let him tell you too? Isn't that great? You want to be in that crowd? I don't want to be in that crowd. I don't want to be standing around there going, Danny Wood, come over here. Oh, no. Uh -uh. (laughs) You know, let me put my arm around you. Let me tell you some of the stuff that Danny Wood's been doing. Nobody wants that. But what was amazing is he accepted her just as she was. And when he accepted her as she was, when she ran and told the others, she says, you've got to come and see this man. Not only does he see into my inmost being, he also has accepted me just as I am. You know, a person may hide their sin, but once they discover Jesus Christ as their Savior, their first instinct is to say to others, look at what I was and look at what I am. And this is what Christ has done for me. There's been a change in my life. Come and see. The third part of come and see is come and see the power of a personal invitation. Come and see the power of a personal invitation. She goes to the town and tells her story. Look at verse 30. They went out from the town and were coming to him. Okay, she runs to town. She's the woman that's not respected by people. And she says, you got to come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Christ? 
And from the voice of her personal testimony, all of a sudden the people in the town began to come out. And they become coming to Jesus. And in fact, even Jesus, when his disciples are talking to him, he says, look unto the fields, they are white unto harvest. And most people believe that he's telling them, hey guys, look. Look out over there. What do you see is happening? We see all these people are coming towards us. The fields are white unto harvest. Here they come. And then you get to verse 39. And it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. When she shared that testimony, all of a sudden, these people come pouring in. Listen, without her witness, the people of this town would have never come to know Jesus as Savior. That's pretty strong, isn't it? There's a chance meeting at a well. And a woman drawing water, her daily routine, and in the midst of her daily routine, she's introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. She could have taken that wonderful experience thanked him very much, put water in her jar, carried it back to her town, gone back to her town, and just back to life as normal. And there would have been no impact on the city. But she went back, and she gave a personal invitation. And she said, you got to come and see. And she invited them, you need to come and see. And see, for some time, for some of us, when we come and see people, we need to say, you need to come and see and meet Jesus. And we need to share our personal testimony. And we need to share scripture as to what it means to be lost and to be saved. What it means to be lost in your sins and for Christ to die on the cross for those sins. And as he died on the cross, he took the payment, the penalty for our sins. And then to be raised from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death and giving us the opportunity to be a part of his family. That good news. Yeah, come and see. Come and see this Jesus. For some, it is come and see, and you invite them to attend church. Come and see. Come to the church. See what it's like. Hear about this person, Jesus. Understand what it's like to worship him. Maybe you're asking him to come and see and be a part of a small group, of a Sunday school class, of a Bible study class where you can learn about Jesus. You need to come and see and learn about him. For some, the invitation may be you need to come and see and be a part of a support group. And when you sit down a part of the support group of people who've gone through and had damaged and difficult lives, and then to hear their testimonies about how God has forgiven them and how he gives them strength to live each day, you need to come and see. But see, it's up to us to say that. It's up to us to say, come and see. Come and see. And this woman was so excited. She said, you got to come and see. And because she did, he said, this town, this city, many of them came to know Christ, and it also says that they talked to Jesus, and he stayed two days there in town to talk to him further. There's power in a personal invitation. When I was a pastor in Ruston, in Louisiana, uh, had, a, had a member who was a deacon, just a great guy. He shared for one year the gospel with a guy at work. He kept sharing with him. And finally that guy and his family visited the church a couple times and, and that guy named Randy came by my office and we opened up the scriptures and talked to him and he prayed and received Christ there in my office. It was nothing that I had done. Bobby had done all the seed planting. He had shared and shared with this guy and, and got him right to that point and he received Christ as Savior. And so then he wanted his son to come in. His son came in and had an opportunity to lead him to Christ. And so, so both those guys accepted Christ as Savior. And, uh, and his wife was already saved. They came, they joined, and became a part of the church and had an opportunity to baptize Randy and baptize his son. But, but, but then he's got a brother-in-law. 
And so through his brother-in-law, his brother-in-law and his wife, they decided that they wanted to come. And so as they came, they weren't a part of a church. They decided to become a part of the church. And one of their sons came into the office and we talked to him. He prayed, received Christ as Savior, had the opportunity to baptize him. And then a few weeks later at a skating party, it was for my daughter, it wasn't me, it was a skating party, he comes up to me and he says, Pastor, I think God's called me into the ministry. I think God's called me into the ministry. One layman named Bobby did a come and see. And with that one layman, with his come and see, we ended up having three people stepped into the kingdom of God who received Christ as Savior and were baptized. Seven joined the church and one felt called into ministry. It's because of one layman who said, come and see. I've met the Savior. He's changed my life. And I want you to come and see and be a part of that. And the very last thing is this. Before I say that, let me just give you a side note. Who do you think benefited the most from this woman's testimony? Who do you think benefited the most? I know it's open to everyone But my opinion, the people that benefited the most were the people who were the down and outers whose life was in shambles because they had no hope. And all of a sudden, this woman who had no hope in her life, whose life was a train wreck, comes to them and says, come and see, man, this changed my life. And all of a sudden, these other people that have been on the periphery that said, are you serious? I can meet a man who will accept me as I am, who can forgive me of my sins and can help transform my life and give me hope. He says, yeah, you need to come. And I I thought about that and I thought about every person in here. Because I just know people well enough that there's some people that have come in here that say, you know, this is really good for a bunch of righteous goody goodies and people that, that do good. You have no idea what my life is. And let me just tell you this. I don't care how messed up your life may be or how many bad decisions you've made or how how many wrong roads you have taken. To know that you have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves you unconditionally should just jump out of the pages of this scripture. Because he was sitting there, he went against everything, every norm of culture by even speaking to a Samaritan woman and one of bad repute uh, and one who who had nothing going for. He cut through all of that. And just showed that he loved her. And then she gives a message and all of a sudden you've got all these people coming from this Samaritan village who didn't think they could ever have salvation come their way. Wow. All right, last thing. The importance of a personal faith. I I love that this is included in the passage. In verse 39 they said, many Samaritans came uh, because of the woman's testimony. And then in verse 42, 41, it says, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Whoa. It was great to hear her testimony, but they could not rely on her testimony alone. They must know him for themselves. A second-hand acquaintance with Christ cannot be a substitute for personal knowledge and saving faith. A second-hand acquaintance with Christ cannot be a substitute for personal knowledge and saving faith. This woman may introduce them to Jesus, but faith is not faith as long as it rests on the testimony of another. 
You cannot sit here today and say, my mom and dad were great Christians, so I'm just going to hang on to that. No. It has to be personal faith. It has to be a personal decision that you make. There has to be a personal knowledge of Christ and an authentic experience. We can issue the invitation, come and see, but just hearing our story is not enough. You need to come and see. Bobby was sharing with Randy over and over and over, and he was telling him his story, but Randy had to have a come and see experience, and he had to come and come to Christ and make that decision. And what these people said is, we appreciate your testimony, but I got to tell you, we now believe because we have met him. It is a personal decision of ours, not just buying into your testimony. And so for every one of us, that's what it'll come down to. 18 people were baptized today because they made their own personal decision for Christ. You did not hear one testimony up there that says, I'm up here to get baptized because my mom and dad are, are members of the church or, or, or believers. Each one had to come to that point to where they trusted Christ to rescue them from an evil and hopeless situation, to where he broke the chains that bound them of the past and gave them a power which enabled them to face the future. One of the, um, one of the, uh, the Chinese students that shared her testimony, Jing uh, Wen, if you remember Jing Wen, when she shared her testimony, she said it was her grandmother that first told her about Christ. And she says, I'm living over here in a godless situation. I've got a grandmother that told me about Jesus. It was a grandmother who, through what she said and what she lived, said, come and see. And then when she had the opportunity to come here and come to the States and begin to see Christians in action and begin to hear the teaching of God's word, then she made it personal for herself and receive Christ as Savior. But it was the come and see moment from a grandmother that started the whole process. Folks, that's where we are. As believers, we need to go from this place and have some come and see moments. Sharing our faith with others, inviting them to come to church or, or coming to the uh, Christmas by candlelight, just some things that you can say. You need to come and see. Come and see this Savior. And if you notice, especially in the, um, in the Chinese testimonies, they always come back to where they look at people's lives and they see the joy and the happiness in their hearts and in their expressions. You live it out, you talk about it, you invite people, and you do come and see. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, this is a come and see moment. And uh, it's my hope and prayer that because of what you've heard about Christ, that you too would want to know more about him. In a few moments, we're going to close our service. And when we do, when the service is over and people are heading out that way, I will be down here with some of our other staff members. And we'll be here and be glad to talk to you. And, uh, and if there's any type of decision you want to make, we'll be right here. And we'd love to talk to you and tell you more about this come and see experience. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for um, your word and for this day, and that by looking into your word on this particular day, as we have seen 18 people that have come to Christ and taken that step of, of obedience and baptism, that your word is providing an invitation for each one of us. 
And so I pray your Holy Spirit would work deeply and strongly in the hearts of those that are seeking after you and that you would be pulling them closer to yourself. And I pray they would make decisions for you and they would become a part of your family. And Lord, for us who've made the decision, may come and see, stay with us. And as we walk through our day, may we look at others through those particular eyes and through those lenses of saying, you know what? We serve such a great God. I just need to share with them and talk to them about come and see. And come and see our Savior. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.